0: You're listening to the weekly podcast of Bethel Bible Church and Pastor Ross Strader. We're so glad you've joined us today, and as always, you can find more information about the church at our website, BethelBible.com. You can find us on Facebook and even follow us on Twitter, at Bethel Bible. Let's join Sunday service now. Good morning. morning. so good to be with you. It's always a a joy and a privilege to be back in Tyler. Uh... I was just at a uh, missions conference uh, a week or so ago up in in Dallas and heard a very encouraging statistic uh, from a a missionary that's working in the Middle East. He said that there has been a tremendous turning to the Lord in Iran, that it's a country of about 70 million people, and that they now count approximately 2 million believers. Uh, I've was very encouraged by that, by that news, and I think we can all be praying for them. Uh, <clears throat> I want to encourage you to pray for the team that's going to be coming to join us to evangelize this summer. Uh, and if God touches any of your hearts to join that team, I think it's still open if others want to come. Uh, <clears throat> in Italy, we have about 60 million people and uh, an estimated 600,000 believers. You, you get the difference. Iran has 2 million out of 70. We have 600 out of 60 million, right around 1%. And I think if you ask some of the other people that have come on teams with us, uh, Italy is, is similar to the rest of Europe, maybe a little more so than some countries in terms of the percentage of true believers, but there's a real resistance and an apathy toward the gospel. They feel like, you know... 95% 95 percent have been baptized in the Catholic Church, but they're most nominal, non-practicing Catholics. And the Jesus thing doesn't really work. So, we would uh, uh, really appreciate your your prayers as uh, the team prepares to come. You know, I, before we came, uh, toward the beginning of, of we've been in the state since the beginning of February, and right before I came, I was in Milan and had a chance to preach there and I was talking to a young man. I just Happen to see it's his birthday today. This uh, Stefano Guidi from Milan. He's, uh, he'll be 33 today. He has his doctorate in physics, a really good job, an accomplished musician. And we had been talking about the call of God on your life. Uh, I don't know how you feel about the call of God. You may, he felt like, you know, he told me, I've been praying for 15 years. To try to understand, what is the call of God on my life? And and I'm not even sure if there is one. Uh, There may be a lot of people sitting here with the same perplexity. Not knowing what the call of God is. Or if there even is one, which would be like, kind of dodge that bullet. I'm exempt from the call of God. If I don't have the call of God, then I don't have to go. Well... I want to answer that question for you real quick. I think scripture is real clear on it. Uh, We can start in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, uh, where it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the remotest part of the earth. Anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for salvation and forgiveness of sins and has been born again into his forever family is part of his family and has received a call from God. It starts with being a witness, living our life. Galatians 2.20, it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live is by faith in him who loves me and gave himself for me it is being that witness and when we have opportunities we witness but it's who we are you know it doesn't stop there because in second corinthians chapter five there's a little more added to this call that we have all received second <clears throat> corinthians 5 18 to 20 says now all these things are from god who reconciled us to himself through christ And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Namely that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed to us the word or the message of reconciliation. See we've all been called without a doubt in in a general way to a ministry of reconciliation. Of going toward those who are far away from God and Being involved in the process of them being reconciled to their creator. But it doesn't stop there. It goes on to say, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We now have eight grandchildren. And so you forget, because we as adults, usually we don't lower ourselves to beg. Maybe you might beg your spouse for something, but uh, apart from that, we generally don't dignify ourselves. We, don't, we, we won't go down to the point of begging. With my grandkids, they're always begging for something. Say, I gotta have it, I gotta have it, and they stay on you, and they stay on you, and you, you can't it, until finally, usually you give in. <clears throat> but we sort of lose that skill as we get older, and instead, God through us is to beg others to come to him. I had a basic rule that is if I meet someone and they're open to talking about spiritual things, I will go to them and talk to them until they tell me, don't come back anymore, I don't want to talk about this anymore. And that with love and care for their eternal destiny, we beg people on behalf of God to be reconciled to him through Jesus Christ. So the call that reaches to all of us is to be his witness, to be ambassadors for Christ with a ministry message and a mission of reconciliation. And in Matthew 28, which how can you talk about mission emphasis without talking about Matthew 28? He says in verse 18 of Matthew 28, And Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're disciple-makers. As you're going, God has brought all of you here this morning. So you're here in Tyler or or the area here. But as you're going in this life, whether it be here, whether it be another place in Texas or America or some other part of the world, as you're going, the imperative is to make disciples. Not only to be involved, to be a witness and beg others to be reconciled, but to be involved in that process of where once they accept Jesus, then they become a disciple, a follower of Jesus, to the point where they're ready to be involved in that process as well. So there's no escaping for any of us. We all have a clear call to a lifetime of service and ministry to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But that doesn't mean I can answer what is your specific call. Because God... In his grace and his mercy will lead you to a specific task, a specific ministry, something that he wants you to do. It may change throughout your life, but he will lead you. And that can be as different as, and buried as there are people sitting here this morning. I cannot pretend to tell you what your specific call will be. I know some of the ways that, that God can lead you to that. I mean, Jesus prayed all night and called the 12 disciples or apostles. When Barnabas was sent up to Antioch with this great turning of Gentiles to the Lord, he, he, he didn't have enough help and he called Saul, who we know as Paul, to come and help him. Paul, in his journeys, called Timothy and Silas and others to come alongside him. When I was in Milan, and we knew we wanted to move toward getting this church on its own, God led me to Gabriele Guidi, a high school educated house painter, who, if he was here this morning, I'd want him to preach. He's one of the best preachers I've ever heard. God gave him a tremendous gift of communicating his word, and God is greatly using him to cause that church in Milan to continue to grow after we've left. They, they're now having trouble with space and how to fit everyone in. They're over 140, and we praise God for how he's, <coughs> how he's working there. It couldn't be a personal invitation. It could be your church leadership. Our Ross was called here by the elders that were 10 years ago when, when they wanted him to come and other, other people. Uh, in Acts chapter 13... Verses 1 and 2, it says, Now they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manaen, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. The church leadership was in prayer. And the Holy Spirit made it very clear that, they, that he called to an itinerant ministry to go around and proclaim the gospel and plant churches. He called Paul and Barnabas. But you know, there were two calls there because he also called Simeon and Lucius and Manan to remain in Antioch. And he may be calling you to remain here, He may be calling you, like Judea and Samaria, to go cross-culturally to international students or other people of another culture or across racial lines to other people here in Tyler, the greater Tyler area. He may call you to the uttermost ends of the earth. So God can use church leadership. Sometimes he'll use the circumstances of your life and move you beyond your control, to another place. And there he opens up a door of opportunity. In the life of the prophet Daniel, he was a a young teenager. And together with some of his friends, they were exiled to Babylon. A horrible culture and full of idol and pagan worship. And God opened tremendous doors. And they were able to to influence the most powerful empire at that time in the world and the most powerful leader in Nebuchadnezzar. God can move you wherever He wants. If He want, is ready for you, that kind of call. There's another one where there's a personal invitation, where God speaks to you individually. It doesn't come from someone in spiritual authority over you, it doesn't come from church leadership. It doesn't come from you being moved from one place to another, but he just speaks to you. Uh, When I was in the seventh grade, I'd been doing Bible Memory Association for years, and we had to learn 12 verses a week for 12 weeks, and my mother was my hearer, and I didn't get to go out and play or spend time with my friends until I'd said all my verses on Saturday. And... uh, (coughs) We went to a camp over in Ringgold, Louisiana, that's no longer in existence, but we would go there for a week during the summer. And uh, after my seventh grade year, I was playing baseball on a, a junior high team, and we were headed to the playoffs. I am center fielder and batted leadoff, and it turned out that the week of the playoffs was the week that we had scheduled to go to this camp. And I argued with my mom, you know how much I argued with her about not going to that camp. And there was nothing to be done. Uh, my, I got benched and because they had to prepare somebody else and I had to go to the camp. And while I was there, God spoke to me. Through, It seemed like every message was just for me. To the point where I, I didn't make sense, but I wanted to be up there saying that message. I mean, I was 13 years old. And I was listening to some of them were DTS profs that were there, and they were bringing God's Word. And a- after that, I, be- I began to study the Word on my own and witness to my friends and have a-, a daily quiet time. And God was speaking to me that He had put His hand on my life and that He was called. He wasn't real clear the specific call yet, but that He was personally speaking to me. And here we are, after almost after 33 years in Italy, and he's still speaking and calling us you know this morning i cannot answer the the question of what is the specific call what is the specific ministry that god has called you to but well, one thing i would like to look at <coughs> look with you at is, is what There are some principles that God wants to to work in your life. He wants to, to change us, to transform us. And we need to be open to what he's wanting to work in our life, so that we'll be ready and enabled to do that task to which he calls us. In fact, I want to look together with you at the life of Ezekiel. Uh, I have been really struck by what God did in his life. Uh, Ezekiel was a young man, 30 years old. He was a priest from the line of priests and was just getting ready to start his ministry as a priest at the age of 30. And he had a terrifying vision. God spoke to him individually. Thank goodness, much differently than he spoke to me. But he did. He saw four living creatures with four wings and two of the wings would touch the wings of the others and each, them, every, every had a head like a man and there were four faces on the four sides of the head so they never had to turn and look. They didn't have to turn to see one side or the other and there were four wheels intersecting underneath with eyes all over them that moved in every direction at the same time. So they never had to, this thing would just move and it was terrifying Turns out it was the mobile throne of God. And in fact, in chapter 1, verse 26, Ezekiel sees something else. He says, now above the expanse that was over their heads, there was something resembling a throne, like lapis lazuli, in appearance. And on that which resembled a throne, high up was a figure with the appearance of a man. Then I noticed from the appearance of his loins and upwards something like glowing metal that looked like fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw something like fire. And there was a radiance around him <clears throat> as the appearance of the rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the appearance of the surrounding radiance. Such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Up until this point... He had been seeing this amazing vision and was probably terrified. But at this point, when he saw the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord, he said, and when I saw it, I fell on my face and heard a voice speaking. See, the, the first, you know, we're, we all have a call to, to service for our whole lives. And there are specific different ways, but one, the first principle that I see operating in the life of Ezekiel was that having experienced the glory of God, actually in, in chapter 3, he sees the glory of God a second time and falls on his face. He had a consuming desire for the glory of God. What motivated his life from that point forward was the glory, the honor, the reputation, the name of God. That became his all-consuming desire. The most important thing to him was the glory of God. You see, we... We see the glory of God as through a, darkly through a mirror. And the mirror back at those times was was polished metal, bronze, or copper. So everything's distorted. But God reveals his glory to us if we'll contemplate and, and watch it. And if someone's going to be used of God to accomplish his purposes, his call for you. It's because our life is motivated and driven by his glory. Uh, As a young man, I don't know why it happened or how it was put together this way. Not many people are interested in history, but I really was. I like to read history and about important people and was really fascinated with people like Alexander the Great and uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, who was very short as well and the other great conquerors and men that left their mark on history that you actually read about in history books. And I didn't tell this to hardly anybody, but I wanted to leave my mark on history. I wanted to be important. I wanted people to remember my name, whether it be in politics or the military or, or whatever category that I could leave my mark on history be someone important you know as god began to speak to me when i was back in the seventh grade and then later on so i had university and and after that and ended up going to seminary what he began to show me was <clears throat> i don't want to live my life for my importance and my worth i want to live my life for his glory For his name. It's not all about me. The world doesn't revolve around me and my needs. Or what I want out of this. It revolves around him. And his glory. And it's worth it. So if we want to be the kind of person that God's going to use to accomplish what he calls us to. We need to have a constantly growing and consuming desire for His glory. As I look at Ezekiel's life and what happened there, uh, if you read chapter 3, verse 14 with me, it says, So the Spirit lifted me up and took me away, and I went embittered in the rage of my spirit, and the hand of the Lord was strong on me. We need to allow God to transform us with a new internal standard of holiness. When it says here that I went embittered in the rage of my spirit, he at first, when he had fell on his face, God told him to get up and he was filled with the spirit and lifted up and put on his feet by the spirit. And he began to listen to what what God had to say to him and, and just as Isaiah was struck, oh I'm a man of unclean lips and live in a people of unclean lips. God told him I'm going to send you to a rebellious and obstinate people and they're not going to listen to you. And they're going to reject you and treat you badly. But he got a glimpse of his sinlessness and his holiness and his perfection. And it changed him. The words I hear a lot when I come back are tolerance and diversity. And the one thing we don't need to be tolerant about is sin in our lives. And as the Holy Spirit speaks to us and leads us and puts his finger on things in our life that don't match up with God's holiness, you be sensitive to it. I remember when a, a young man um, up in Milan was the, over ch- was in charge of a chain of women's clothing, young women's clothing stores. And he miraculously got saved. And then he began to notice that really we're not so much dressing as undressing these young women. We're dressing them, selling them clothes that are very provocative. And, <clears throat> and he, he began to notice this. And it, it, we didn't teach him or give him any teaching on this. And he began to pray and he asked God to to give him a different job that he didn't have to be involved in this all the time. And he actually became a director over a chain of toy stores. So God uh, answered his prayer. But it was the Holy Spirit that had made him aware of the differences. And if we're sensitive to his word and to his spirit and his leading, he's going (coughs) to give us his standard. And as he changes us, he makes us able to begin to be used by him, a cleansed vessel that can be filled with his power. In fact, in verse 14, that is the third principle I want to, to look at with you with you all, because he says, and the hand of the Lord was strong on me. Not terminology that we really use nowadays. I haven't <clears throat> Heard anyone really recently tell me, you know, the hand of the Lord was strong on me. Uh, we need to be open to God empowering us with His Spirit. To experience a transforming power of His Spirit to change us. Not only to work in us, but to work through us and to unleash His almighty Miraculous power to change those around us. You know in Ezekiel 3, 1 through 3 uh, I think we can see the powerful hand of God on us in different ways. One of them, he said here, he said, then he said to me, son of man eat what you find. He had put a scroll in front of him. Eat this scroll and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth And he fed me the scroll. He said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll which I'm giving you. Then I ate it and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. We need to be enriched and nourished by an immersion in God's word. I can't say it strong enough or clear enough. There's no substitute for it. There's no way shortcut. There's no app that you can download that's going to help you be immersed in God's word. But we don't literally eat it, but we need to study it. Meditate on it. Reflect on it. That's okay. Not so that we have more information and more knowledge, but that we know him better. And that it'll draw us into a closer and more intimate and personal relationship with our Father through our loving Lord and Savior Jesus. And there's no way around it. God was able to say, they'll know a prophet's been here because they'll say, thus saith the Lord. And you know I don't judge I try not to judge people but if I have to say something from God's word it's like it's, I'm not this is what God says And the more we know the more we're able to proclaim his word the more we can be transformed into his likeness <clears throat> so we need to be enriched by an immersion in the word of God we need to be led by the Holy Spirit and Ezekiel 3:12 says then the spirit lifted me up And I heard a great rumbling sound behind me. Blessed be the glory of the Lord in his place. And I heard the sound of the wings of the living beings touching one another. And the sound of the wheels beside them. Even a great rumbling sound. So the spirit lifted me up and took me away. And I went embittered in the rage of my spirit. And the hand of the Lord was strong on me. Then I came to the exiles who lived beside the river Kebar at Tel Abib. And I sat there seven days where they were living, causing consternation among them. You know, the Holy Spirit will lead you into an understanding of His Word, will lead you into a deeper relationship with the Lord. He'll lead you to discover those works which were prepared beforehand, that you may walk in them and do them. He will lead you and make it clear your specific calling to whatever ministry or task He's put before you. Romans eight fourteen says, Sons of God are led by the Holy Spirit. We're to walk according to the power of the Spirit and not the flesh. Not every Old Testament saint had the Spirit. Ezekiel did. But whoever believes in Jesus receives the Holy Spirit. All of him. As one of my co-workers say, it's just waiting to see how much the Holy Spirit gets of me. How much I can give over to him in complete dependence upon him And his leading. And as we're led by the Spirit. It will bring us to. This last principle. Is a ready willingness to obey God's will. That can be a tough one sometimes. Uh, In the case of Ezekiel. Chapter 3, verse 24 to 27, the first thing that God asked him to do after he sat for seven days by the river, he says, "...the Spirit then entered me and made me stand on my feet, after he had seen the glory the second time. And he spoke with me and said to me, Go shut yourself up in your house. As for you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so that you cannot go out among them. Moreover, I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth." So that you will be mute and cannot and cannot be a man who rebukes them, for they are a rebellious house. Later on, he when I do tell you to speak, he will let you speak. So the Spirit led this great prophet to be tied up, put in his house, and couldn't say a word to be mute. You know, sometimes when the Spirit's leading us and is calling us to what he has for us as a ministry or a task to do at that moment, it may seem really illogical. And not make any sense from our point of view. I remember I came back from a furlough in the early 90s with a strong, and I probably talked to some of y'all that were around then, about a strong desire to have a university ministry. We'd already had a a literature table down at one of the universities, and that's where I wanted to go. That summer while I was gone, we had a lady that had a bunch of (coughs) elementary kids, and we started a a Bible club, and some of them were junior high age, and so we started a little junior high ministry, and at (coughs) the ripe old age of 42, I became a youth leader again, and (coughs) led them through junior high and into high school. But you know, almost every leader in the church in Milan either got saved or was taught and nurtured through that youth group. I would have never chosen that way. And I do not recommend it as a way to plant a church. But it was illogical, and God put us there. You know, sometimes the things that God asks us to do are just downright hard. In Ezekiel 24, I think one of the hardest things I've ever seen in scripture, God asked Ezekiel to do. It's in verses 15 to 24. We don't have time to read them all. You can go back and read them at some other time. But basically, God told him, he spoke to him and said, tonight I'm going to take your wife. And she died. And he says, tomorrow I want you to get up, no morning, You cannot mourn, you cannot do the cultural things that will say to everybody else that you're mourning the loss of your wife who is the most precious thing to you. And it says in his passage that I'm going to take the most precious thing to you. And it was all for a lesson to the rebellious Israelites. That's probably why we want to be called Bethalonians, not Israelites. They were rebellious. And I can't imagine that. You know, something really hard happened in our lives in 2003, and especially to my wife. It started with a diagnosis of one of our children being bipolar, which was very difficult. It continued (coughs) with me having major surgery. Summer of 2003, taking out part of my colon, they found a tumor, turned out to be benign, but... There was that time there and the recovery from that. Uh, My wife's mother was dying and our daughter was getting married in December and uh, her mother died a month before our daughter's wedding. Other things were going on as well. It was just a... a, I remember Rose telling me and telling God, this is too much. I can't bear under it. In fact, for that fall, it was so much she just she couldn't teach Bible study. It's just too much, God. And at one point, he he said, "I'm doing this so that you can encourage someone later on." I mean, does that sound fair? I have to go through all these really painful, hard trials because you, God, want to use my experience through these. To encourage one other person. Not even a nation, just one other person. Well, a few years later, Rose was in a counseling situation with a young wife in our church in Milan. And God said, okay, here's the person. And they were having serious, serious problems in their marriage. And God used what she shared, I'm sure, with other things, and they're still together two beautiful children involved in the church there. We need to allow God to work in us a ready willingness to obey Him. Whatever He calls us to. Because we all have a call to serve Him. And He may call you in a very specific, but it'll be a varied way. And when it becomes clear, he wants to develop in you a consuming desire for his glory, that you will serve him because of who he is and his tremendous glory that we will share in one day with him. And he wants to develop a new standard of holiness in you. And he wants us to experience his miraculous divine power in our daily living so that we can see his will accomplished that we'll be willing to obey him whatever I pray that God will touch each of us and that we'd be willing to let him work in us that we'd be willing to look at what is he calling me to am I in it right now If not, Lord, show me. These are the kind of prayers He wants to answer. He will lead you and speak to you in many different ways to bring you to that point so that He can do in you and through you what He wants. And I pray that everyone here will be totally involved in what He's called you to. Let's pray. Father, I thank you (laughs) For this amazing call and vision that you gave to Ezekiel. I thank you for the principles that have come out of it. Now you challenge our lives with these. We want to be open to your working in us. We want to allow you to enable us. Because we know we can't do it on our own. But we want you to enable us to be your people. That you can work through to accomplish your will, that we can, your call on us will become clear and that we'll know how you want to use us and that it can all be for your glory and that Jesus would continue to be lifted up in our midst. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the podcast today. We hope that you were blessed and encouraged and if you have any questions or comments, we want you to let us know. Simply send your thoughts to questions at Bethelbible.com. Thanks for spending time with us and be sure to join us next week on the Bethel Bible Podcast.